You're listening to Fit Pro Sessions with Parallel Coaching, Season 4, Episode 9. Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. In today's podcast, Hayley and I are talking all about common clinical conditions, comorbidities, and medications. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. And I'm Hayley Bergman. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands of fitness professionals to get qualified, learn with simplicity, and coach clients with confidence. We're the first to say that learning and being a fit pro doesn't have to be hard work and that with the right structure, support and resources, you can become a confident and knowledgeable fitness professional that is dedicated to more. So how do you learn, qualify and kickstart as a fit pro? This is the Fit Pro Sessions podcast with Parallel Coaching. I can't believe we're on episode nine already. I know, it's great. There's only one more to go. So there's 10 episodes to season four, which is obviously all about common clinical conditions, the rise of them, we've gone through pretty much all of them now. And today we're talking about comorbidities, we're talking about medications, which a number of you have asked for more information, more knowledge and more confidence on. Which I think is kind of the golden thread that joins all of those little beads I that we've had believe so far so. Together. so we're going to have to jump into some uh, SMART goals today. We're going to have to jump into some planning today, uh, exercise selection today, and really kind of drawing this season to a close. And then next week will be the final episode where we do kind of the final close on exercise referral working with clients that have common clinical conditions yeah i'm actually quite sad i've enjoyed all of the podcasts but this season i've absolutely loved really good reviews and i think it's because it goes into so much more detail and depth that wherever you've been as a fit pro in the journey you can kind of join in and and learn something i think because so many people get into fitness because they want to help more people they want to help Got people yeah. i think this really does hit the kind of a nail on the head with helping people not just tackle say their weight loss around say obesity and overweight but a clinical condition that impacts quality of life I was talking to a learner yesterday and they were saying that they got into fitness because they wanted to help people transform their lifestyle like they did yeah. um, all those years ago when they lost the weight and wanted to like found fitness, fell in love with fitness, loved it, wanted to do the same for others. And then as she's been going through her PT qualification, she got so ingrained into the advanced PT yeah. training system, she didn't it felt so distant away from the reason why she wanted to become That's a really PT cool. in the first place. Well, and now she's like finding that again. Well, well, well let, let's make today then, let's try and kind of wrap some of those advanced training systems into working mm-hmm. with clinical conditions. Like there's no reason why somebody with any of the conditions can't be doing a superset or a tricep or a giant set, yep. but it's having that method to its madness and saying, justifying why I'm placing it there and not seeing it as an advanced system. It's just the right thing at the right time for the client. And that's what a client-centered approach is, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's not about, oh, because I'm doing a tricep, I'm building loads of muscle. Yeah, yeah, completely. There's actually the right time and place. Yeah. There's no right or wrong, it's only appropriate. There we go. Amazon is safe and effective. Oh. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, well, I just want to thank everybody for the support on the podcast not just for season four, but across the board, Mm. the numbers of views every week is going up. So we're clearly hitting and reaching more people, which is our goal. Yeah, it's great. Um, And obviously, you know, we don't get paid for this. It's something we put out into the big wide podcasting world for free. Um, And that comes down to you guys supporting us, spreading the message, tagging us in on your Facebook stories, Instagram stories, liking, commenting, sharing, um, and kind of beating the parallel drums. So high five to you guys, because we might have kind of done the hard work of putting it together, but you guys have done the hard work of actually getting it out there. So yeah, thank you for sharing. Superb. Love it. Thank you very much. I love it. So today we are jumping into comorbidities and quite often on the... I'd say the exercise referral course, not so much at level fours, because at that point it would be assumed knowledge. But they say, like, what is a comorbidity? And it's kind of getting your head around the that word and what it means. So Which is over essentially to you. just two or more diseases or conditions that appear simultaneously. So you have a primary condition, which would be, let's say, type. Uh, no, let's go with uh, obesity. Yep. And then the comorbidity would be the next condition that happens simultaneously. So at the same time, they've got several conditions. Yeah. Or, the, or is caused by the primary yeah. condition. So if somebody was uh, overweight, obese, then their secondary condition or comorbidity would be type 2 diabetes. Yeah, nice. And then the next one could be hypertension, for example. Or then if they get stress or anxiety or depression, they become comorbidities of the yes. first one as well. And quite often, uh, one condition causes or is the catalyst to start another condition. For example, obesity does cause 
type 2 diabetes. Yes. And then there's some... Yeah, that's for factor. Yeah, so... Um, I don't know what I just said. I said a word and it wasn't, I think I just ended one of my words into your words and it didn't make sense. Did I cut you off? <laughs> yeah. No, so, no, no. <laughs> obesity into type 2 is diabetes. It's a risk factor. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Um, whereas, say, there's some conditions that are correlated, but they're not a cause and effect relationship. Yeah. Yeah, For example, exactly. low back pain and obesity. Yes. Just because somebody's obese doesn't mean they're going to have low back pain. And if somebody has low back pain, doesn't mean they're obese. However, you might see somebody with a correlation that that does go hand in hand but they don't cause each other yeah nice. that was very eloquently said i do try yeah and then yeah. now and again i lose my words and i amalgamate <laughs> into yours and i have no understanding what language it was in <laughs> so the the problem with comorbidities is that we've been looking at them as individual conditions yes all the way through this season so far that's um, been very deliberate i'm gonna put that yeah. that's been very it deliberate it because it's allowed us to focus yeah exactly um the only difference that is maybe metabolic syndrome where we started to weave in the multiple different types of yes. conditions metabolic syndrome is a perfect example of comorbidities because you've got three conditions sitting side so by side those five possible five things you had to have to have metabolic five syndrome risk five risk factors five conditions and if you had three of them you had metabolic syndrome yeah, it's just like this this amalgamation of lots of symptoms and risk factors yeah. together. Um, so as a sort of result, what you find is that rather than looking at just an individual condition, is that you still want to look at the individual client as an individual. And if that individual has um, multiple conditions, we now need to factor in multiple problems, multiple medications, yeah. multiple contraindicated exercises. We end up with a lot more to factor into our planning. Yes, completely. Um, and that, but ultimately, one condition, a client refers a PARQ. Yes. So if a client has low back pain, they refer a PARQ, even though they might not have any medications, they've not been to a GP about it, they don't see it as a major problem, but they have low back pain. It might be non-specific. Um, low back pain it might be uh, a yellow flag but they have referred a PARQ yep. it might be that they um, have a higher blood pressure reading and you could say well you're stage two hypertensive today it's just a timestamp of current status yes it's about referring a PARQ it's when it becomes kind of funky I suppose I I'm it sounds weird I enjoy it for when a client <laughs> refers for multiple conditions because now you can really get into that health related goal and start unpicking you know this holistic approach that's going to manage the conditions and improve their not just get them towards their performance related goal but get them to the outcome goal of health yeah and it's multi-dimensional then isn't yeah. it because you've got loads of things to think about and obviously the more conditions or diseases they have yeah. the more problems you're likely to face the more complex the planning becomes. It's, there's more hurt yeah there's more it's more complex there's more things to think about it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be any harder no um and i like to use this analogy of deal with the elephant in the room nice. okay That's so very appropriate. yeah so <laughs> go for it you've you've used this this morning in fact with a learner on the phone what do you yeah. what do i mean by so, what do i mean <laughs> explain I mean my meaning <laughs> um, so the elephant in the room if you take the the analogy of like the elephant and the mice um, if you want to deal with a problem, you've just got to remove the elephant and the mice will disappear. <laughs> you, like, it, you don't go and try and sort out all the different little mice and then still have the what's, elephant What's around. the one kind of common what's denominator, the, big the one thing? big thing that you go, if I dealt with this, it would also clear away all the mice. Yeah. So I like to deal with the elephant in the room. And when the you've got elephant lots of, in the room yeah. could be the biggest cause of the reason why they may be having um, lifestyle problems or lifestyle factors. Yes. So you might try to go, actually, the elephant in the room is the nutrition. Yes, exactly. <laughs> then that might be some of the reasons, some of the causes behind their obesity, their diabetes and their hypercholesterolemia and their hypertension that maybe I could start clearing things up with one tweak yeah. rather than feeling like I've got to give them everything And I think this is maybe where, say, like PT or yoga or Pilates course doesn't do the fit pro. I'm going to be honest, a huge justice of leaving the course with a confidence and competence and knowledge of challenging someone's nutritional habits and understanding what's inside their remit as a trainer, as a coach. Yeah. Because it's far greater than what we think it is or what we learn to believe it is on course. Mm -hmm. You have a lot more scope. And I think once you hit people that refer a park you because of a condition and you're working with them, you know, I found the, the elephant in the room to be a nutritional approach. Yeah. 
Yeah, because absolutely. the tweaks, the minor tweaks to someone's nutrition can have huge changes across the board. And secondary to nutrition, I'd probably say neat. Yes, neat. So, definitely. It's a non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So challenging someone's non-planned exercise. Like that can make a massive difference to just being able to walk like, generally. I think if we went through one. all of the episodes so far, we've probably, I know we've said at some point in that episode that one of the causes to all of those conditions is inactivity. Mm. Is, we've probably said it on everything. Is, is not moving. Yeah. <laughs> and so by moving more, we actually challenge the condition. Yes. We go head on and fight the good fight towards the condition. So any amount of moving more would do that. It doesn't even need to be. Yeah. It doesn't need. This is probably the, the biggest thing about exercise referral or working with common clinical conditions and health related clients to me is the fact that it doesn't need to be a bee sting. No. It doesn't have a to be. A bee sting. A bee sting. It's not a bee sting uh, yes. session. It's not a session that you have anybody, to be 10 out of 10 to get a result. Anybody can write a program. You know, I could, that I could, makes you hurt. that makes you hurt or gives you muscle soreness. <laughs> like I could go across the road to somebody that, you know, a mate of mine that doesn't know anything about fitness. And I say, could you, could you write me a program of, of how to train? And he could, he could probably recall a number of exercises and go, well, you're going to do squats, you're going to do lunges, you're going to do burpees. And I'd wake up the next day with a, with a program that's given me muscle soreness. Anybody can do that. What we're talking about is making it science back to making it smart. Yes, so they actually get the result that yes. they're after in the long term and in the short term. Exactly. And the other part of that is being smart. Like you said, it's that safe and effective, but it's being smart in that programming. And when you've got comorbidities, just to bring that back to this sort of multiple conditions. Yeah, as we're going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of contraindicated exercises per condition anyway. Cool. I'm going to pause, I want to pause you there because we've used that a number of times throughout this season. What does contraindicative mean or contraindications? So the word contraindicate means that you cannot do. Yes, cool. So a contraindicated exercise is something that you shouldn't be doing or cannot do with somebody that has that condition. For example, somebody that's say hypertensive, that has high blood pressure, okay, yeah. doing an isometric exercise, which is, for example, a plank, whereby you're you're stressing the muscle, the muscle is under tension, but there's no change in the length of the muscle. So everything's um, isometric. Isometric, okay. Blood pressure will increase in the short acute term, yeah. which will have an impact on blood pressure and therefore could cause dizziness, could cause vomiting. They could even pass out. Yeah. Okay. So then you say, well, it's contraindicated to do a plank or do an isometric exercise with somebody that has high blood pressure. So how do I... I think that's the biggest learning curve is how do I adapt the exercise to the client mm. and the client to the exercise? And there's a really like key part in this about how you bring it together before you do your planning. Yeah. So we talk about something called SOAP several times before. Yes. Um, and SOAP is basically a protocol where you go through your screening and your planning with your yeah. client. So you start off with subjective, which is the questionnaire. Which so really finding consultation out about one and two. So find out who's who in the zoo, what's, what they like to eat, what they don't like to eat, what they like to exercise, when they last exercise, what's their training age, what's their condition, their where's their pain, their parkour, all the... Injury history. Everything, all the ins and outs. It's talking, it's, I call that conversational coaching. Yeah. It's yep. the goal setting as well. Yep. And then you go into objective where you do the physical tests. So this could be like their blood pressure test, their yep. weight, their, their BMI. Hip to waist ratio. Yeah. Yep. Their squat analysis. Their peak flow for asthma or CV respiratory. CV fit test. Yeah, CV fit test. And all of that type of stuff that are Perfect. physical measurements. And then assessment. This bit, this next bit of soap. So we've got subjective, objective, A assessment. for assessment. This is where I wanted to go with it because this Perfect. draws it together. Yes. So you take all your information from subjective, all your information from objective, and now you layer on the rules for the conditions that they Perfect. have. So if they have comorbidities, you've got to layer on a couple of different rules. So, so the rules, Haley is, I suppose, is talking about here is that we have a fit principle for cardiovascular health for uh, the recommendations. The recommendation yeah. of a, an apparently healthy fit adult, which would be, say, three to five cardiovascular sessions per week, 150 minutes of moderate intensity. Okay, as soon as you've now got uh, obesity, you've got an obesity fit principle or a low back pain. You've got a low back pain fit principle, okay, which 
um, are, are very clear. And now you're saying, right, so I've done my subjective, I've done my objective, my client's got um, obesity, they've got type two diabetes, and let's say hypertension. These are my three fit principles. Now, and the for, things they can and, and can't do. And the do. things they can and can't do. So for those of you that are on screen, you can see my hand move, and for those of you that aren't, just imagine in one place over here, the client is, that's their current status, three conditions, obesity, type two diabetes, and hypertension. Yeah. I've got clear fit principles of what I can and can't do with them as well, contraindications. And then over here, okay, so my hand's now to the other side of the screen, okay, <laughs> is their goal or where they want to get to. Nice. And in an ideal world, the apparently healthy individual fit principles. Now that gap between the two is going to be bigger or greater depending on the client's starting point. It's now my job to plan on a safe and effective um, program that logically progresses them across this chasm, across this bridge from point A to point B without them falling off. And falling off would be the client going, um, I fell off the rails this week or uh, I didn't quite do it this week or I'm, this, quitting. I'm quitting or this diet doesn't work. So they've probably tried a million gazillion times before to get from A to B and now you're the first person that truly sees truly sees life through their shoes and their eyes and says, well, I get you. I know where you are. This is your current status. You want to get from point A to B and I can help you across that chasm. And that's your planning. And that's my planning. So rather than saying, um, I want to do a plank and... I want to challenge their core this way. It's what can they can't do? What's their current principles or laws of, of rules around their training for them? And then choosing the exercise based on the objective, not the objective based on the exercise. Oh, amazing. Because what you just said there <laughs> was that there's... My brain was like going at a gazillion miles an hour. <laughs> <Get it out. laughs> the, the, um, the soap principle. You might have to go on Spotify now if you're listening on iTunes. You might have to like slow it down by... Point five of like to go ah that was normal speed for Neil <laughs> I ran out of breath <laughs> so it's that soap principle allows you to take your time over the subjective and objective yes. and really have it differentiated assessment brings it all together so that you can make a clear decision on the principles you're going to put in place the strategy that you have yeah. and then that's your planning and the the difference honestly when somebody takes that approach rather than just going, oh, obesity, we use this tactic. Mm. They have to do Tabatas. No, no, no. no. Or, or even just the tactic of they need to be in a, in a calorie deficit. Like, don't get me wrong, we need to be in an energy balance. We know we need to be in eating or consuming less calories or expending more. We get that. There's lots of other factors that come into this assessment of the person, especially with more comorbidities. So it's not even just a case of the client refers a park you. You've now got a doctor's note, and on that doctor's note, or consultant note, or physio note, or osteopath's note, there might be very clear, again, do's and don'ts based on that particular client. Mm. So they may have had, I don't know, let's go, um, a knee replacement, or they may have had some surgery, or they may even have non-specific low back pain, and whatever it might be, but the, the medical world have given you a clear note of your green light. And that's what I love about it, not just from, say, well outside of an exercise referral scheme, because I've not really been in an exercise referral scheme for years. I've done it off of my own uh, privately, which means when a client comes to me, I can now liaise and network with the medical professionals from a client and go, cool, what can I do with, with Bob's back? What can't I do? I give him a ring. Is it okay? Do you recommend I can do this? What's the intensity that you'd recommend? At what point? What should I be looking for specifically in this client based on all of the other medications? And now my assessment is not just my knowledge, my competency. I've brought in the other medical professionals that are also uh, have to be involved in yep. order to move Bob forwards. Yeah. For example, if you're if they're post um, operation on their knee, for example, you would then want to be dealing with the physio to find out what kind of uh, active uh, muscles they're trying yeah. to activate what range of movement are they looking for what plane of motion are they doing the exercises in and so you can start to incorporate those into exactly. what you're doing what I've loved about this is the majority of the people I've worked with have been guys in their between I'm going to say 30 and 55 in a boot camp setting and you might think that's crazy but I've had loads of guys with loads of conditions and got phenomenal results as in like majority of the guys had at least two to maybe six stone to lose yeah. and had other comorbidities and they'd all be in one group, okay, training early in the morning 
and across, let's say, a three-month period, uh, the average guy was losing between two and four stone. Great. Okay. Now, the exercise selection wasn't just a series of exercise in a circuit-based format that I sat there the night before and went, hey, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and we're going to do that there, and well, that'll, that'll look fun, or that'll be hard. It was based on where the client current status is, looking at the fit principles, the kind of the, the notion of joints act, muscles react, where are they all posturally, where's my overall assessment of this group or these people, and then saying, right, this is what we're going to do as a group, but then I might have Bob doing X on a particular station or an adaptation for Dave over here or something else for Barry over here and saying, you're not going to do this, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. So knowing each individual and before you knew it, they're all coming. This is a wicked session. I really enjoyed that. It was great fun. I'm coming back tomorrow. And they feel good. And they feel and good. And then they get a result long term. Yes, because it's adherence at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and my objective, that... sorry, my objective is to make a client redundant of me. Mm. So they get to the end of a an eight week or a 12 week bout of training with me and they're educated enough to go, well, I understand how to kind of count my calories, do a food shop. Nice, and that's it. I understand that, you know, if I enjoy it, I'm more likely to do it. I understand that, you know, I'm not going to um, act upon my emotions. <laughs> loads of things, there's loads of mindset things in yeah, there as well and that three-pronged approach. It's not just about the singular session. Yes. It's about how they all map together to get the out the outcomes, all yeah. the physical sessions map together, then the neat and how all of that yeah. uh, non-exercise activity thermogenesis um, <laughs> fits in how the nutrition fits in and how the mindset fits in okay. so you end up with this approach that layers on information and to start off with if this is the first time you're thinking about layering things together it might sound like a lot to consider so use that strategy of that soap to bring yeah. it all well, together. that's what i love about the exercise referral course is because you do a case study in that and that could be a, a real yeah. life case study or you could use a hypothetical one that we've made up I can't remember the, guy, the person's name in it, actually. Jack. Jack, there you go. How original. <laughs> okay. How original. Jack um, Green. Jack Green, who has uh, three different conditions to deal with. So by the time you've gone through that, you've actually trained or planned for and gone through a full SOAP assessment, I suppose, of understanding, well, what would I do based on Jack? What would I do based on my live case study? Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of that slowly, slowly catchy monkey approach. Because by the end of that, course you've built up enough knowledge and confidence and competence to go well I still am I'm by no means an expert but I've got the license to teach and I think that's what any course actually allows you to do is gives you that license to go out just like a you know you do your driving test you start off and you you know you kangaroo the car and stall it and Mine was really bad. I can imagine it was to be honest <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna, let's not go there um, but you do a number of of, of lessons to get you to a point of going, well, I'm going to do a mock driving test and then you go and do your theory and then you go and do your main practical and you go, well, I've, I've passed. And that gives you the license to go out on the road with insurance, but that doesn't make you an F1 car racer, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean you're- And you might not feel very confident. And you might not feel very confident. And I suppose that's what any fitness course does. It gives you the, the license to go out and practice. And I think the real world teaching comes after the course. Yeah. But the course should definitely set you up for success to give you enough knowledge, more than enough uh, confidence to go and challenge these conditions. Yeah, I like that as cool. an analogy. Yeah. I love that as an analogy. And then also with comorbidity. So we've kind of spoken about the fact that they are more complex if you've got multiple conditions, but also the fact that medications can cause the onset of other conditions. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, that has always baffled me. I know. Crazy. Take this to help with that, but I'll give you this. And I'll, once you've got that, I'll give you this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you end up with like this list of symptoms and side effects following medications which you also then need to factor in as yeah. part of that soap strategy we we're saying about factor in what side effects they're starting to experience so that when you get on session you can ask them like are you feeling nauseous today are you feeling a little bit queasy are you, like, are you feeling dizzy there might be certain times of day that are better than other times of day or certain times of a week that are better than other times it might be based on when they've eaten around their medication or had fluid around their medication there's all these variables that come in that go, actually, this is the best time to train. And I know you're going to be kind of, that's going to be a, like a late lunch break almost, but is that possible? Mm. And you're going to really challenge the clients to get the most out of their 
out of their world, I suppose, out of their session and out of them moving forwards towards their goal. Yeah, exactly. And then within that, I would always ask at the beginning of every session when working with a client, has anything else changed since we last saw you? Which I'm going to be honest, should be standard practice for anybody. Pilates, yoga, boot camp, hit, spin, aqua, PT, one-to-one, semi-private. It doesn't matter where you are as a fit pro. Has anything else changed since the last time I saw you? And also ask... Have you had your medication today as yes. planned? And do you have like any immediate stuff with you, like an asthma pump, for Completely, example? Completely, because if they've got asthma and they don't have an asthma pump, it's, it's, uh-uh. a, it's a no-go. It's, it's, it's now unsafe because what if something happens? And, you know, there'll always be the person of like, well, I haven't had one for weeks or months and, you know... It, it won't happen today, what if, what if, but, you know, you, you don't want to put your... Not a risk to it's, go for. It's not a risk to go for. Not when it only takes just having a pump next to them. No, completely. Um, and then the other part of that, in terms of medications, I had several people before that I worked with that would, I'd be like, have you taken your medication? They go, oh, no, I'm not taking it today because that makes me go for a wee. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not That's how it the... works. <laughs> I need you to take it. I'll shoot blood brushes through the roof. But they don't necessarily think about it like that because they don't see the immediate effect of taking yeah. the medication. But the risk in, increases massively yeah. if they're not taking Because we've got to remember that, that training is a stressor. And effectively what we're saying is someone has been given a stressor for a period of time that has helped bring about a common clinical condition. Yeah. Okay, so for example, I might sit awkwardly on a desk, okay, for eight hours today, and that has been a stressor on my posture, and then I might get up and go, oh, I can really feel my back. And then I might lay awkwardly and avoid that overnight. I might wake up and go, oh, I can really feel my back. And that is a stressor on my body. Mm. Okay, so what we're saying is everything we do day in, day out, how we move, how we eat, what we eat, when we eat, um, the, the training, um, what we're exposed to in terms of stress, light, sound, noise, sleep, they're all stressors. They're all sending our sympathetic nervous system into a state of... Um, Fight or flight. Yeah, sympathetic. Again. Yeah, sympathetic. Fight or flight. And, and we, we're responding and reacting to that all the time. And so we've really got to consider that training is an incredible stressor on the body. Okay, which is, I suppose, is probably why walking is is by far the most uh, prescribed form of exercise for so many people. Because although it is a uh, a stressor, it's the lightest, um, non-impactive, with the greatest benefit. And the thing that from a cardio respiratory, their world so much easier without other problems. And it's achievable. It's realistic. The human body is designed to have forward locomotion. You know, it's it's innate to us. You have to think about it. It's something that's ingrained into us. Um, And I think you know, the moment we consider that any planned session, so exercise activity thermogenesis, is a new stressor on the body that directly impacts the common clinical condition they have. That. The moment we start planned exercise and we start moving, the muscles start contracting and relaxing. Now that pulls on the across the joint. That makes the the joint now acts in a certain way, which can really kind of aggravate any of the musculoskeletal conditions. Yeah. So we really need to consider how much of an impact our stressor added to their world is having, and is not detracting from their result. Oh, I like that. Because it could be that actually by training, we're actually doing more harm than good. So we really need to sit back and go, okay, so there's my soap. There's my, I don't mean as in like <laughs> washing. Okay, but there's my subjective. I know as, as much as I possibly can tease out my clients, I've gone three to five questions deep. I've really uncovered, I've gone under the carpet and found out all their, you know, what's really going on, what they think, what they feel, their emotions around it. And... Then I've gone objective. on to the objective. Now the assessment is here and I'm going, okay, am I, if I plan this, if I go on to plan that, am I making a step forwards and, I think and the, not a step back at the same time? I think the biggest description of that, like where you can really see it as an example, is if you've got somebody that has obesity and let's say they've got a couple of other comorbidities, let's throw diabetes in there as type well. Two. Type two. And then they also have um, depression and stress so the mental health side that that they've talked to you about but maybe not considered and you get into the gym with them and you find out they feel really conscious inside the gym they feel very conscious about what they're wearing they're unsure about stuff 
the exercise you now do with them could put their, although it might be creating a nice calorie deficit for them and moving them towards the achievement of their obesity could, goal, yeah. it could be taking the back step on and so the mental we health need to stuff. be, I like to figure this out. I like, you know, when, I, when I'm in a classroom, I'm on a one-to-one -one or, or teaching this, I like to consider it like a bit like a Sudoku puzzle, <laughs> okay? But the end goal is to obviously get all of the whites on one side, the yellows on the other, but along the way, there's more. That's not Sudoku. Not Sudoku, Rubik's Cube. I was like, I meant a Rubik's Cube. Oh, how are you going to do this? Rubik's yeah, I meant a Rubik's okay, Cube. I got the, go. In my head, I knew the picture, but I said the wrong thing. So <laughs> apologies. But you get my point. So on the one side, all the blues, on the other side, all the reds. But there's yeah. a few different ways of getting there and unpiecing that puzzle. And yes. I've got to think of all of the possible combinations in order to make that happen. Yes. Like you just said, you know, yeah, they might have, they might need to sit in a calorie deficit. And then we go into the gym, we do an exercise, but is how, how does that impact? on the mental health side of this game, which is the yellow side of a puzzle. Mm. Okay, now I need to unpick that. And doesn't make their knees worse if I do this particular exercise? Which is the blue side of a puzzle. Yeah, completely. And so then, you know, the other side of that is, let's go down, they're overweight, obese, BMI 35. They got type two diabetes. We create a calorie deficit, okay? And they have a, um, let's say they've expended 500 calories and they said yep i've had lots to eat today i'm perfectly fine but actually they've still sat in a bit of a food deficit as well mm. now they go home from that and i don't know something stressful comes in or they around their depression or anxiety whatever it might be something happens in their world in that situation and now they go i'm gonna go and based on my thoughts feelings and emotions i'm now gonna eat this Okay, and because they're in a calorie deficit, they might be in that kind of, I'm going to call it hangry state, where they just go, I just want to eat something quick. I don't want to bother about food prep or whatnot. So a quick grab or a something. A quick grab, okay. And now they've ended up consuming something that doesn't benefit them from a diabetes perspective. Okay. I'm going to grab a bowl of Frosties. <laughs> Whatever. It, no, let's not demonise any, <laughs> any food. I don't want to do that. But You mean what, something that's got a high sugar? Yeah, completely. Energy dense. And now, based on how they feel based on the reaction or response of what they've eaten and their insulin levels, now there's an impact on their condition. Yeah. And then we all know that the, the kind of a correlation between what I think and what I feel goes around to our behavior, which is our Mercedes model, which we've talked about in previous episodes. Yeah. And then if I've eaten something, I then might have kind of this cascade effect of maybe guilt, shame or blame. And then that leads to another karmic loop of this Mercedes model. Yes. And then we kind of almost can stay stuck within this world of of not making progress forwards all because I was too much or too far into a calorie deficit on one particular day. Wow. That's I think quite I got, good. Do you, see, do you see, I know I've painted. I see what you mean though, because you're basically saying that one thing can sound like a, the best, best action, thing. And actually, but when you go down the line, you might find that's the one thing that makes and something so, else worse. And so, you know, you see, you see it so much on social media calorie deficit calorie deficit and yes you've got to be in a calorie deficit i get that but you know taking a much more conservative route and being the tortoise and not the hare on this occasion yeah would be would so be not having lead. a massive deficit yeah so that they actually feel that it's sustainable over a longer period of time but also in the micro right like in the day like right yeah. now because the client could force, say, a 500 calorie deficit from exercise and a three or 400 calorie deficit from food on that particular day. Now we're like 800 to 1,000 calories down on their day. Like if I asked anybody listening to this that I'm going to take away 1,000 calories from you today, okay, you're going to be hungry to a degree. And if, if you've also got uh, diabetes and your ability to manage your insulin and blood glucose levels is already a little bit out of whack, Okay, and then on top of that, you've also got a mental health condition, of, regardless of which one it is. You're now in this kind of cluster storm of thoughts, feelings, and emotions that don't necessarily set you up for success. Mm. It would be, I'm going to say, easy for a client in this situation to find a reason to fall off the wagon. And so it's my job, your job as a coach, to truly see life through their eyes and go, how do I get you from point A to point B across this chasm, across this rickety rope bridge that has plenty of opportunities by the way for you and i to mess up and for you to fall off this wagon fall mm. off this rope bridge but how do i how do i put the guy ropes on this bridge how do i lay down more solid planks for you how do i place more planks more smaller steps for you to get to your goal as do opposed to you it? as opposed to you having to kind of like 
you know, wobble across this, this rickety old bridge. How do I it's put great. a suspension bridge in here for you? How do I make this, <sighs> like, guaranteed that you get to the and end of the And it's also, it, it means that it less is sometimes more. All so the time. It can be, yeah. it can be so overwhelming when you're stacking up all the things you want them to do. And you're talking about, like, reinforcing this bridge, turn it into a suspension bridge. Yeah. Um, the, the temptation is, okay, cool, they now need a calorie deficit. I'm going to give they them these recipe books. I'm going to give them this food diary to do. You give them all this different stuff that they need to do that actually sometimes too much too soon well, is I'm actually the reason why they're going to fall off. I'm going to say, like, the people I, I, I... If I look up to... The number of people I look up to in the fitness industry and I look at how they work with clients and then I look at, say, how you've worked with clients, it's not necessarily been, like, the less is more you've worked with the elephant in the room and you've gone, mm. right, for the one next thing, we're going to knock over this one domino and we're going to spend this domino is going to be a, a one week or a two week or a four week domino to push over. Let's go and push this one domino over. Let's go and like get this one thing sorted and then we can move on to the next one big thing one well. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thing, one aim, one goal. So out one of all thing. of the conditions, mm. okay, if there's one domino you've enjoyed helping the client push over or one domino that you've seen have a big impact on someone's world, what's it been? I, whoa, oh. put me on spot a bit. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. So mine would be, um, early on in someone's programme, it's such as, I take it for granted, but having a very consistent shopping day, whether mm. that be in person in Sainsbury's or Tesco or wherever you want to shop, or delivered online, Okay, so it's deliberately delivered on a very particular day with a clear set of meals that goes past the next week's Oh, so you don't shopping. get to the run out, I need so to take away. So there's no run out opportunities, okay? And then figuring out what goes on that shopping list and making that happen. Yeah. And I found that, you know, for the majority of clients I've worked with have been overweight, obese. That's what I've loved working with clients on that. And then... If I've nailed that and helped the client push that over in the first, I'm going to say three to six weeks. Yeah. And they go, actually, this is this is quite straightforward now. And I'd wait for that kind of conversational language that reinforces that they can do this domino on their own. I'm like, cool, win, let's go, next domino. Yes. And I found good. that to so be incredibly powerful because that, for me, that domino rep represents not just them getting a the result but the household getting a result mm. so that could be their husband their wife their kids as well included or their flatmates and go from there so mine go for it mine is um about having a challenge or a set goal that is in the short term perfect so with health related it's talking so long term that it can the be delayed gratifications do you know what i mean you want something yeah. a little bit yeah. sooner oh, so like that. that could be just noticing perfect. some of the changes from your objective where you've done some of your testing or from your subjective even um it could just be a little challenge like i remember one guy came to me um and he um he he's post-stroke so he only has control over his right side and he walked with a stick his overall goal I love this goal, was that he wanted to be able to take a cup of tea up to his wife in bed. Do you know what? Like, phenomenal. Love it. Love that goal <laughs> so much. Um, so when we were working through all these different things, we're like, well, what does he need to be able to do in order to get a cup of tea up the stairs when he could only have one hand that can hold the tea? And he, slow progress, right? <laughs> and he can only... Um, and he wants to hold on to the... Banister. Yeah, that's Banister. it. Banister as well. So you've got to hold on to that as well. So how do we do it? So we had to chunk it down into these little mini kind of goals that we kind of just made up ourselves, which Perfect. is fine because he had this like, I'm going to get to the third step. Or first of all, I've got to like make the tea and walk it from the kitchen what, to the stairs without dropping it. I think, you know, more so say at level three PT, you know, we do a fitness testing day and you're actually assessed on that to, to some degree as well and inside that there's always normative tests like for Chester step test for Rockport walk the Ashtrand cycle for uh, 10RM test and all, all of those and then you could look at Vartex so making sure that every test you do is valid accurate reliable time bound enjoyable and costly mm. okay which we, we teach in FitPro 31 as well and what I love about that is you could take that Vartex or that principle or a protocol of how do I reproduce this how do i how do i make sure this is accurate reliable how do i make sure if i did it now and i did it in four weeks time it's under the same conditions and i would get an accurate result to make comparisons to yeah. to say if it was a significant or no significant difference so for example your goal was well 
how far can you get through making a cup of tea? So what can I control inside those variables to measure that right now? What's for current status? And then in four weeks time, what's for current status? And, and did we improve? With, exactly. The problem we had at the beginning in this situation was that he couldn't walk without his stick, which meant he couldn't then hold anything. Hold it, yeah. So he had to first get to the point he could walk without the stick without too much movement. Did he get his goal? He did. There we go. How long did it take? Um, it took about three months. And well, he got that's to, pretty good. It's pretty effort, good. Right? But he literally had to then put the cup of tea on the step then pull himself up, put the cup of tea on the next but the couple beauty of steps of that up, is, pull up. The beauty of that is the first goal of, of making... And it was a commuter mug with a yeah. lid on. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but the, first, the, the first goal could have been achieved inside the first week. Mm. And what I love about those challenges is it keeps the client kind of almost like the, you know, a carrot at the end of a bit of string right in front of your nose. You can see it, you can almost touch it, but you can't grab it easily. You've got to really work for it. Yeah. But it's not too far ahead of you that you can't see it or smell it or touch it or taste it. Yeah. So having that challenge or short-term performance-related goal is absolutely key for any client, regardless. Keeps you excited, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah. So in my world of running would be like, so the end goal is an ultra marathon. How do I, how do I perform 100 kilometers? But I'm not going to go out and do that today. And it's so far away. I don't really get any gratification from that. And although it's exciting, it's, it's still maybe six months away. What am I going to do by the end of a week? Well, I'm going to do my, 10, my first 10K. Mm -hmm. And so I go, well, let's get that's my first performance related goal. And I keep building and building this bridge across that chasm until I get there. And if somebody's goal is as long term as I want to come off some medications, yeah. then we're definitely going to need a good amount of time. So you're going to need something else. Completely. Um, I did want to talk about some medications. Go for it. Should we talk about well, some there's, there's hundreds of medications and you yeah. can get um, uh, a book with all of the medications in. And what I like about this, it talks about um, what the medication does. Um, why it does it, the anatomical, physiological effect on the, on the body, so it's the functionality, side the side effects, um, what if you're, say, pregnant, what if you've got another condition, what if you've got another medication, um, what are you likely to see in terms of symptoms in this, and... Exercise considerations, yeah, all sorts wicked. of different things. Um, and I just thought... So the link will be below for that as well. Yeah, there's, there's loads of different ones of these, um, but essentially it's a medications dictionary. Cool, I like that. Medication dictionary, um, but there's a couple of a couple of medications in particular that I think um, for me are the ones that when I hear about them I always think oh I've got to be mindful of those side effects oh I've got to be considerate about those from a fit pro point of view yeah. um, especially obviously with every medication there's stuff going on. What I like about well I know a few you're going to mention but inside the referral course and the new supporting nice. clients with clinical conditions course that so starts next year. Um, there's a table that you do in there, which is, I suppose, a, it's a worksheet at the end of the day, but it has all of the clinical conditions, so all 14 of them. And then you write down all of the uh, medication side effects. And basically you create your own, I'm going to say, dictionary of 14 conditions. But what I love about that as a task in particular is it gives you the inquiry and questioning skills yeah. so that when a GP or a client comes to you self-referred and fails a park you and they go, I don't know, I've got, I don't know, fibromyalgia that's not one of the conditions in the current um exercise referral course but it will be a new one you have the question and inquiry skills to go and look up all of the information about fibromyalgia and you're still the best person to work yes. with them yeah so the inquiry the, research what you, yeah that's what you get from those so you don't necessarily need to remember it all oh no but you do need to be able to that's what i love about the level any any course really in learning is what you're being tested on, I suppose, is your ability to find information and, get it. and hunt the right information. Like the world doesn't need any more information. It's already out in this big wide world. No one can say it in 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 with any more cl clarity. They're just going to say it in a way that you understand. Yeah. And so what we need to do is to go and find and find reputable valid sources of information that says ah that's what that medication means and that's what i can and can't do and they've said it in a way that i understand and i found it and that's what i suppose the exercise referral course does it gives you that questioning skills to go and pluck the information from this big wide world and go that's that's what the facts are and then you can bring that into and your you can soap bring that into your soap completely yes okay so yes. i think that's the hidden benefit which i think a lot of learners um don't get from mm. level two or level three is like why am i doing this worksheet well the worksheet is teaching you uh how to find and source information yes it's to pick out key buzzwords 
It's allowing you to recognise the structure of, of how to communicate. The main, uh, like you said, the ATSM guidelines for the fit yes. principles of exercise. What should they and shouldn't they be doing? Exactly. How much yeah. is recommended? The medications that, are that they might have, what possible side effects they'll have, and different considerations. You know, we have to kind of almost recognise that maybe 70%, maybe more of what we read or what we're exposed to isn't actually useful or relevant or fact. Mm. And it's the inquiry skills to go and pick out what I need inside my individual client and say, right, that's in my SOAP, that's in my subjective objective assessment, and that's why I'm planning it this way. Mm. Cool, so conditions, uh, sorry, medications. Medications, what gonna talk uh, about? I'm gonna zoom through a couple. So okay. first of all, corticosteroids. So steroid use in particular. So steroid use for, and I don't know- We're not talking about big muscles here. <laughs> um, the same effect. They say yes. It stimulates growth, yep. which is what it's for. So you get um, corticosteroids are used for asthmas as part of their in inhaler, yep. and they're also used for injections into um, joints to help lubricate around the joints so and reduce help reduce inflammation. Yeah, exactly. So the problem with corticosteroids and any steroid in particular is it changes how we use calcium in our body and vitamin D in our body, which therefore in turn can relate to the, the worsening of bone mass density. So the reduction of bone mass density, which just like our last podcast episode, so falls somebody, into So for example, somebody might have um, osteoarthritis, uh, which would be in their fingers, for example, or one of the sites, so inflammation around the fingers, um, which is incredibly painful. It swells up, it's inflamed. And then they have a, what was the steroid called? Corticosteroid. Corticosteroid to alleviate that. Now they've alleviated that discomfort and swelling. They've got more, I suppose, acute range of movement back because of this mm -hmm. external stimulus. Yeah. However, we've now, for a better word, upset the calcium and magnesium level in the body and, and chromium, vitamin D. Yeah. D, and now we're leaching calcium from the bones, which in turn causes osteoporosis and osteoarthritis which we're now back to square one. So it's yeah. kind of like... Yeah, exactly. And also, if you think about somebody... You're damned um, if you're doing, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> if you know anybody with asthma and that's always like puffing on it more than they probably need to, then it's knowing that there's that sweet spot between where you need, the amount you need to control the, the, the condition you have, but also not too much so you don't go on and cause more problems. Well, I had a client um, 2014, 2015, that fell over, broke their wrist um, from where they fell over, okay, yeah. down the stairs or up the stairs. And because of that, because of that, that was uh, from osteoporosis as well, okay. And overweight and obese with asthma, and we challenged that through walking predominantly and upping neat and also through nutrition. nutrition and mindset and weight did i'm gonna say radically drop off mm. for client and and we had a, quite a, a, an incredible transformation inside a, an eight to ten week period actually when they went back to the gp the asthma um pump was declined for uh, repeat prescription because actually her asthma improved oh, nice. and when we deep dive into that and you think about the the side effect of excess pump use over the years oh. um, is actually causing weight gain you kind of like was how much of a consideration was that because as we went through the I'm gonna say it was an eight to nine maybe ten month time frame all told to this point the use of the asthma pump radically declined to the point as on, she got fitter as she got fitter but as weight dropped as well and confidence and just that recognition that somebody else had her back at this point mm. she didn't rely on the asthma pump so why was the asthma pump being used was it being used because for, well, there's a whole host of reasons why it was being used but was it because she was short of breath and needed to use it i'm going to question no at the time mm. and the client will turn around and go well, actually i don't know i didn't even realize i was puffing on it Okay, so as a reduction of this came down, how much of an impact did that have on her weight as well? And how much did it impact on the fact that she broke her wrist? Yeah, completely. There we go, in the first place. Someone else could have fallen over and just got back up. Well, you see it all the time, don't you? You know, I, uh, I, saw, I, saw, you, I saw you fall over the other day, but you didn't actually fall over. You didn't actually put your hands down. But for some people, that could have been a broken hip or a broken wrist. Yeah. You were very elegant as you... Uh, danced your way out of it <laughs> but is that do you see what i mean yeah. with that cool yeah, exactly I like it um i want to 
segue into statins. Yeah, cool. So statins for cholesterol. So things like simvastatin would be quite a classic one. Um, now the. the <laughs> no, it's like classic. I was thinking like classic. Like as in like. Beethoven. You no, know, like everybody wants to be on this. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, it's classic. It's, it's like, classic. You don't want this. Most One thing common. I, most common, I think that's probably a better word. And it word. reduces, the, the, the job of it is to reduce LDLs. Cool. So, so low-density lipoproteins. Low cool. And we talked about that and we kind of put a couple of myths to bed in that episode, which was um, episode three. I think it's one of the first ones, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, maybe. All around uh, hypertension and hypercholesterolemia and all that type of thing. Around why we've got LDLs and HDLs in our body and understanding some of the myths around those. So go back and have a listen to that one again. Yeah. But the thing I find really interesting, I always have about this particular yeah. medication, is that the most common of the side effects, and there's quite a few that aren't very nice, is muscle pain. So if you've got somebody that's got severe muscle pain from the tablet that they're taking in terms of their statin and then you come to them you bring them into exercise and give them muscle soreness and doms then a you don't know what is doms and you don't know what is the pain they're experiencing yep. it makes it really hard to monitor intensity and look at overload with that yep. muscle anyway because it's already in a it's already in a point of not necessarily overload, but a point of discomfort. And they might not even want to exercise because they have pain. Yeah, great if you think point. on the day when you have really bad doms and you don't even want to walk up the stairs, you're not going to even want to go to the gym. It doesn't so say, it's not inviting, is it? No, it doesn't no. make you feel great. And if you're nodding your head going, yes, it does, Neil and Hayley, you're crazy. <laughs> I want to let you know, I want you to consider that you might have a sadistic streak as a fit <laughs> <laughs> Um So if they're already feeling this... In fact, if you are listening and you think, I do have a sadistic, you have a sadistic stre- uh, streak, then inside the inner circle, I want you to hashtag... I am a sadistic fit pro. <laughs> <laughs> nice. See if there's any of those. See how many people come out of that one. I think we might have a couple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what I was talking about. Um, around muscle soreness and... Um, like DOMS and muscle pain. and muscle doing... cramps, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, so therefore, the best type of exercise might not be to go and create a very sharp increase in muscle adaptation like we would probably do with um, strong resistance training to overload. Instead, it might be to include things like flexibility, a decent warm-up, neat, walking. Well, you've got to like think about... And like gradually progress. Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah, gradually progress. You might go, well, you know what, I really do need for clients to reach some form of overload, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in week one, week two, week three, week four. Think about this bridge across this chasm from point A to point B. It might be that overload doesn't appear until mesocycle or training cycle three, yeah. but there's some preparatory dominoes or elephants to push over before you get to the point of like, ah that's what muscle soreness feels like and my client's educated enough to go the difference between muscle soreness and my side effects of my uh medications are x i get that it makes sense to me now as a client and And then you can push forward as you build up their lifestyle changes you're also then um getting them to the point where hopefully they won't need the the simvastatin anymore because their cholesterol is at a better level based on what they're eating what they're moving etc one thing i've enjoyed doing with clients has been educating them on the comorbidities of their condition and for medications because from my experience and this isn't meant to be a it's not meant to be a derogatory comment to the medical world because i've absolutely loved working and training alongside them yeah however Nine times out of ten, I've been the first person to sit down with the client and Just talk to the time, them. Probably. I think it's a time frame thing, to be honest, and truly give them a time and empathy around their condition to get the um, medications book out of their box uh, of medication and their the leaflet that comes with it, and talk to them about it. Because you know, let's take it. I'm going to say ninety nine percent of medications say avoid alcohol. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. You know. 99% of the clients aren't going to avoid alcohol. Okay, there's going to be a point in their day or their week where they go, I'm just having a glass of wine, it don't make any difference. Yet, consider that it does make a difference. So, and, uh, sorry, yeah. quick story. And it was <laughs> this guy called Pete, and he basically was adamant that it was okay to drink alcohol with it. What it meant was you can't have it with it. So, oh. <laughs> in the same gulp. 
Oh, amazing. <laughs> so don't, don't swig it Don't swig it down with a bottle of Jack Daniels. But it's okay. So he would literally have it with water and while standing at the bar whilst ordering his pint. Oh, amazing. <laughs> but it's okay because he didn't have it with it. But what I love about that as a con part of a consultation, not necessarily in consultation one or two, that double consultation, but early in the programme, remember Rome wasn't built in a day and I want to build up a relationship, a rapport. And actually some conversations can be parked in yeah. my opinion, quite early. I know I need to deal with that, but it's not the elephant in the room just yet. That elephant comes in in a couple of weeks' time. But then having that you know, real, raw and relevant conversation around their medication, around their alcohol intake, or educating them on you know, when to take their medication, educating them on the, the side effects of what to look out for. From my experience, clients have gone, I, I wish I'd have known that almost sooner. Thank you. Like, I can't thank you enough. That makes perfect sense. That makes sense why I don't sleep like that well at that time of night. That's why it makes sense why I wake up a little bit early. That's why I wake up three or four times a night for a pee. That's why... These symptoms I'm, are worse. I feel yeah. a little bit grouchy. That's why... Um, Maybe some of the side effects from the medications yeah. become worse when combined. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And you're like, oh, actually, you've really just shined a light on it. And then they go, actually, because of that, and you can now start to make what I call modifiable changes. And that's when the client... I think that's because I've left it further down the line to deal with this elephant, mm. okay? Um, the client turns around and says, would it help if I reduce my alcohol? I'm like, yes, it would. <laughs> and now the client is becoming more suggestive on their actions they're going to take. Yes. Um, and that comes down to having a good soap, you know, subjective, objective, and a clear assessment and saying... I'm not going to deal with that elephant just yet. That's going to be logically periodized and progressed in, and that's going to become the big strut of my next part of my bridge to get across this chasm. Oh, I like nice it. big metaphor today, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I, but that's been key. Rather than me, for a better word, putting words in their mouth and coaching out of them, I like to see a coach as a lighthouse where you're literally going to ask a question at a very particular time and shine a light on an inquiry area and yeah. they give you the answer and it's their answer that, that, that makes them move forwards yes. rather than me being the tugboat dragging them in. dragging them going just don't don't drink alcohol it's bad for you don't drink alcohol you can't do this x y and z because the moment the tugboat lets go the tide will take them back to where they started from. Behaviour change is a massive part of anything health-related yep. and understanding that. In fact, it's something I really like about the new qualification version that's coming out, yep. is that they've put a whole section of motivational Perfect. interviewing Perfect. and much more on behaviour change Perfect. to reflect the need for it. Because we always put it in our exercise referral quite heavily in terms of coaching our clients, but I think now it's really combined. But I, think, I think also like... Um, it's 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 discussed like we're talking on here at the end of the day this is a free um a free podcast for anybody mm. to use now we talk about motivational interviewing but it doesn't necessarily tell you the tools to actually go and deploy like what is decisional balancing what questions do i ask to take somebody from a to b through that decision making process to move forwards and for you to be the lighthouse to ask for world-class questions what what are those questions why are they worded in that way why are they timed in that way why are they that particular length yeah. why do they have those verbs and those nouns in do you see what i mean mm. you're really looking at the language used to draw the client in and go there's my answer bam i'm moving forwards and that's what i think i'm really excited for when we develop the new syllabus yes to place even more of those tools in yeah the, because, like real usable tools, because you come useful, you, you come into say exercise referral with a set of level two tools or a level three pt school tools or pilates or, or, yoga. or yoga and your the tools are very refined and biased i'm going to say towards not just planning but more so exercise prescription and exercise doing exercise action yeah whereas now the tools become sharpened but also we place new tools into the toolbox to go ah that wasn't the only route to get the goal it's about lifestyle. It it's was, about yeah, all of this. Yeah. I can build this bridge across this chasm and be the lighthouse. Ah, that's how I do it. Perfect. The bridge across the chasm, I think, is the metaphor of Completely. Today. What's really good, actually, um, was that was the title of one <gasps> yeah, of the podcasts yeah, with Dr. Dr. Rory McGill, who is a GP-referred... That was in season one. Season one. So it's uh, we'll put the links below on that one. It's called, I think it's called A Bridge Across the Chasm or A Rope yeah. Across the Chasm. Yeah. And it's an, an incredible, um, goodness, I think it's probably about an hour and a half with me and Dr. Rory McGill talking. It's really, really good. And he talks a lot about behaviour change. So as a bit of a kind of to tee this up, 
Uh, Rory was a um, GP in VNHS for I believe about 30 odd years and he went on a course around um, I think like motivational interviewing um, and it was that first point where he kind of questioned medications and it was from there on in he went on his own journey to a point he I suppose fell out of love of giving medications in the in the in the GP world, yeah, okay, and then he went on to become a, uh, a holistic doctor, kept his medical license, but to this day uh, vows never to give a medication again and looks at holistic therapies. It's phenomenal, Fantastic. and I've loved working with him. Yeah, really oh, aligned. Credit, exactly. My credit's due because it's just been phenomenal, isn't it? Just cool. absolutely. So, so next step, yeah, are we done? We're basically we... at the end of today. I'm really sad. We can't. We can't <laughs> leave it now. <laughs> what else can we talk about? <laughs> uh, we were talking about the what we love most about the extra referral course, but I know that you kind of went there already. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for I'll me, ask you. I think I've got one more thing I wanted to say, but I'll, get, I'll let yeah. you go first. So for me, the thing I love most about the Exo Referral course is the transformation of each fit pro to kind of go oh, yeah, from nice. where they start off. And I said this at the very beginning of today's episode, but that starting off knowing you want to go and help a client, but then realising you probably don't really have the tools to be able to do it. And then through exercise referral as they're learning about the lifestyle they're learning about behavior change learning about how to layer on the nutrition and the activity then go ah oh, mm. that's how i help this and, person and at the beginning there's a, there's a level of i'm gonna say naivety and i've been there i get it because i'm doing a course and i feel i felt this recently a bit of naivety a little bit of ignorance a little bit of arrogance early on of like it doesn't matter if a client's just a little bit overweight like does it matter if they, park, they refer a park you at yeah. BMI 32? There can't be much more complexity to it. Can't be much more complexity to it. And then as they get through the course, you're quite right. It's like, ah, like the, the rabbit in the headlights goes, oh my God, like there's so much more to it. And actually this is really interesting, but it's not actually that complicated, if that makes sense. But also their transformation is massive because they start valuing the knowledge they've learned. Yes. So with every FitPro that goes through, they value the knowledge, which means they now value the service they offer their client at a much higher rate. Oh, great and point. And therefore, self-confidence goes up. Your ability to charge for what you are worth. worth goes up. <laughs> and you get a result. Yes. And the clients are happy. They re You retain more clients. It's wicked. I like that. Mm. Cool. What was your um, big takeaway? I suppose I got two, big, two big takeaways. I think the big... One of the things I love about the course is the conditions table, mm. which I believe is going forwards into the new course in, in, its, in, its, in its own way. But it's ultimately where you create your own, I've mentioned it already today, is that dictionary of what's going on in each condition and understanding the kind of the three to five key points of like, what's the pathology? Where did it come from? How does it get worse? <clears throat> what would I do from a nutritional standpoint, an exercise standpoint? What's the fit principle? What are these side effects for medications? And I love that because it's just this tool in the toolbox that it's, it's like adding a superset <laughs> or a giant set of like, that's what I can do or that's what that makes the difference of or that's the physiological effect. And that worksheet for me, although it's quite really organized in notes, depth, it? <laughs> it's in really organized notes and it takes it forwards. But with that comes knowledge and with that comes confidence and what wraps that up just like in all of our courses we talk about behavior change and i think that's mm -hmm. my biggest takeaway is the, the ability to take somebody from a to b to educate them in a way with very clear communication in a way that empathizes with the client sympathizes with the client in a, in a way that challenges the client's view converts their mindset from a to b and takes them across this chasm and that's one of the things I'm really excited about for the new version yeah. of the course that comes out. So you've got more of the behaviour change, more of the mindset side, more of the motivational interviewing and practical tools you can use, but also the new conditions that are going to be added. Well, they're not new conditions. They've always been around for many decades. <laughs> yes. But, but we're talking about conditions that actually go back maybe six to eight years were actually in exercise referral. Now they, when they went out. Then now they went come, out of scope of practice. And now they're coming back in because they're seen as more common clinical conditions. And they include hyperthyroidism, um, hypothyroidism, Perfect, cancers, yeah. fibromyalgia, and the neurological conditions as well. So inside neurological, we're talking things like stroke, that type stroke, of Stroke, Parkinson's, Perfect, MS. wicked. And there's also about um, ME and sort of connective tissue issues as well. Wicked. So... 
I think although there's some new additions coming, um, if you already got our course for Exercise with Forever, you automatically get all of the updates as well, which is really exciting. Cool. And you can still go ahead and work with those uh, people as well. As you're learning. As yes. you're learning. So I think ultimately it's a name change because what we're really looking at is exercise referral, is working within exercise referral schemes and those kind of exercise referral pathways or schemes and uh, clinical conditioning groups. They don't they're not really there as such anymore. And I think even more so in time, you know, a coronavirus world yeah. where the focus is so far into kind of where COVID... Well, healthcare has and... changed so much in the last decade at least. And if yeah. you think the last referral was created about 15 years ago... No, 2000, 2008 was the last so 2008. shift. Yes, 2008. Um, still quite a way ago, isn't it? Yeah, 12, 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Um, so there's been a lot of changes in just how the healthcare system works Completely. and where funding comes from in 12 years is quite yeah. a lot. If you think about like right now in this last 12 months, yes. how funding has been moved oh, and where okay. the kind of the, the light of, of health is being directed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, getting people uh, with common clinical conditions at high risk into an exercise referral pathway, meeting up, social mixing, like I just don't see it being uh, the same, the same structure. structural thing. And that's what I'm really excited about, this from just purely a name change because it's about supporting clients with long-term clinical conditions. It doesn't talk about it, doesn't, it being a scheme. And that's exactly really, yeah. really what exercise referral is about. It's about yeah. working with people that have referred to Park U and how do I get them from A to B across this chasm. Exactly. Superb. Nice, I like it. I've really enjoyed today. I've enjoyed them all. I'm still sad, but we've got to do one, got with, one, more. one more. And there we go. So if you have enjoyed it, let us know what your biggest takeaway has been. Uh, drop a comment below, whatever social platform you're listening on in iTunes. Obviously, it's a five-star review, given. Yeah. And if you do have the time, we'd really appreciate it if you tag us in on your stories or inside for Parallel Coaching in a Circle. And all of those links are below. So anything else we've mentioned today, any links, blogs, podcasts, all of the links are below. In the show notes. And we will see you on the final episode of season four next week. See you later. Bye. Hi, I'm Neil Bergman. And I'm Hayley Bergman. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands of fitness professionals to get qualified, learn with simplicity, and coach clients with confidence. We're the first to say that learning and being a fit pro doesn't have to be hard work and that with the right structure, support and resources, you can become a confident and knowledgeable fitness professional that is dedicated to more. So how do you learn, qualify and kickstart as a fit pro? This is the Fit Pro Sessions podcast with Parallel Coaching.